Welcome to Delta Dispatches. This is Jacques Hebert. Um, we're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. Hello, Simone. Hello, Jacques. This is Simone Willaws with Restore or Retreat. Simone, the countdown is in full effect. It's one day until the rendezvous. Oh, man. My whole life is defined by this rendezvous. And so uh, it's uh, our annual fall fundraiser, uh, which we have once a year at Restore Retreat. We are very much looking forward to it. We um, do this just once a year. It's pretty time intensive, but it's the one time we get to have some fun. So we're very much looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, you'll have to let us know how it goes. Um, We've had a busy couple of weeks too. I'm, I'm looking forward to, busy. to letting my hair down. Letting your hair ce- celebrating a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, mm-hmm. bringing some friends in and thanking all the good friends that support not just Restore Retreat, but all the efforts of restoring the coast, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, it's the one chance I get to pay everybody back for all the favors I've asked them throughout <laughs> the year. So I get to reset on that. How about you? What you been up to this week? Well, I was out yesterday at our Paul J. Rainey Wildlife Sanctuary oh, in Vermillion nice. Parish. On the, on the most beautiful day of the week, yeah. you found an excuse <laughs> to go outside. Yeah, you know, as soon as I heard the weather was cooling down, I was like, all right, got <laughs> to get out to Rainey. But no, it, it's beautiful out there. It's Audubon's oldest and largest wildlife sanctuary. We saw a ton of birds, a lot of roseate spoonbills. Oh, they're Um, so pretty. They're my favorite. Yeah. So um, it's always a great day when we can get out to rainy. I saw you had some alligators. Yeah, there was this one area that, you know, it was like a little canal. And we looked down and literally it was just like 10, 11 baby alligators. Every time we, we thought we counted them all, there was another one that <laughs> we're like, hey, look over there. So They like the birds as yeah. much as you do, Jacques. Uh-oh. That's the lunch. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, it is a wildlife sanctuary. So, so we're going to have a good show today. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, speaking of alligators, we're talking mm-hmm. freshwater swamp. habitat and swamp, swamp restoration. So who are we talking to today? So we're lucky enough to have Brad Miller on from CPRA. We've talked about Brad's other projects incessantly. Brad is the project manager for Caminata, but now he's working on this freshwater diversion called Moripaw. And then we're bringing back one of our friends and partners with uh, Louisiana Wildlife Federation. Uh, Their executive director, Rebecca Trish, is going to be on the line with us in a little bit. Uh, They do some work on Maripal, Caminata, and some others. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, it is such a beautiful part of the state, such an iconic part of the state. I've been kayaking out in Maripal Swamp Mm -hmm. and near Manshack and... You know, it, when you think of Louisiana and you think of like the swamp, that's where that's what it is, you know. And so Brad and his team are working on a project that are really they're helping to restore it and help maintain, you know, that iconic part of our of our coast. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It is so beautiful with the cypress trees. And, um, you know, it is it is a different kind of marsh. Brad worked on the beach, too. So he mm-hmm. goes from beaches to trees. So we're looking forward to talking to him. All right. Well, let's bring let's him bring on. Him on. So we are lucky enough to have on the line Brad Miller. He's a project manager for CPRA. He uh, has over 18 years of experience implementing a variety of large-scale coastal restoration projects, including, including barrier island restoration like Caminata, marsh creation, and freshwater diversions like Maripaw. And he is the project manager for that. He is also my favorite project manager at CPRA. Uh-oh. He did I think you're going to get in trouble for in, that. <laughs> he did not include Thank that in his bio. Hey, Brad, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're so happy to have you. Um, I told Jacques before the show that I, I talk to you all the time um, on the phone, and I call and harass you for project updates, and now it's it's nice to have you on, on the show in an official capacity to talk about our work. So I'll try to keep it professional, okay? <laughs> okay. So, Brad, why don't you, we gave a little bit of a bio about you, but why don't you tell us about yourself? Okay. Well, um, I'm a project manager at CPRA, and as a project manager, 
I'm tasked with implementing coastal restoration and protection projects. They can range from flood protection, marsh creation, barrier island, and river diversion projects, to name a few. At CPRA, project managers primarily focus on getting a project through design and construction. We have planning folks on the front end and operations and maintenance folks on the back end. But in project management, my main task is to get a project through the design and construction phase. The easy part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no heavy lift there. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, uh, that's a heavy lift there, Brad. Uh, so tell us, which project has been your favorite so far? Oh, wow. Well, that's, that's probably a loaded question. But it since, is. Um, that's what we do here. If I get to, can I take two? Yes, I'll let you pick two. Um, I think, um, you know, I've, I've dealt with a, with a bunch of projects um, ranging from, a, you know, all the disciplines we deal with. But um, the, the one I just finished up about a year ago was the Camnata Headland Beach and Dune Restoration. And that was just really unique because it was the first time we went to Ship Shoal, um, out in the Gulf of Mexico to get sand to restore a barrier headland. We transported it over 40 miles. And the project was actually two pro- two projects funded separately, but in, in total we restored 13 miles of beach and dune with a little over 8 million yards of sand. It was just a really great project to be and, involved with. And one of our and favorite projects, too. Excuse me? It's one of our favorite projects, too. It was. We went out there a lot of times. A lot. We had some, <laughs> some good memories out there. And, um, and and now we've handed that off to our O&M folks because it's, it's done being constructed. So I'm, I'm moving on to another large project, and that's the uh, river reintroduction to the Markpaw Swamp is probably my, another one of my favorite projects. And it's just a very unique project, some different habitat that we don't typically think of when we think about coastal restoration. But coastal uh, swamps and forests are, are definitely important. And I want to talk more about about that a little bit later in this in, this, in the show. I think. Yeah, and Brad, I mean Simone hit on it, but it just shows kind of how v- v- varied and diverse our coast is, right? You literally are going from the shoreline to and kind Gulf of, of like, Mexico, yeah, the right? Gulf of Mexico <laughs> to Lake Pontchartrain. to Lake Pontchartrain. You know, areas around the like kind of the river parishes and this bottomland hardwood or Tupelo swamp. Um, I have to say, I did fly over Caminata last week out of Homa, and it looks beautiful. And just to see that long strip of beach, you know, protecting, you know, our, our uh, first line of defense, you know, it's it's amazing. So tell us a little bit, how did you get into uh, your role and in, into project management? Well, I, as Simone mentioned, I've been with, uh, with the state for about 18 years now. Back when I started off, CPR didn't exist. We were actually <laughs> the Department of Natural, Natural Resources. Resources. There was yeah. a coastal, coastal division under them. I actually started off in planning, and that's the the group that um that starts projects off. And there's a you know you know long ago it was mainly Quipper, and there's a Quipper planning group, and they go throughout the state and and, and develop projects. And then we the LCA pro- program came along, and we worked on feasibility studies and planning projects. And the master plan is also a planning tool, so that's where I got my start. And then um, a spot opened up in project management. I thought it sounded exciting, and I've been doing project management work for probably the past 10 years, and um, it's just a real exciting uh, thing to do. We get to work with a lot of different people, from um, design consultants to local to landowners to um, some of the NGOs like Simone. So it's, you get to work with a lot of different people and, and um, get to see projects uh, projects built. It's, it's very rewarding work. So, Brad, no, knowing that you started 18 years ago, tell us about the difference in our coast, good and bad, starting starting way back when you started. Well, you know, I think the good is we, we have uh, a lot more a lot more funding right now. And, you know, um, I guess 
fortunately and unfortunately, a lot of that comes from disasters. Um, the oil spill has, has given our, our agency a lot of funding. The um, you know, Katrina, we saw a lot of funding come from that. So, um, but you know, the, I think the good part of that is it, it on a national level, it um, puts us a little bit more in the spotlight. Uh, you know, the bad is that we're seeing, we're starting to see some major um, ecosystem level changes and, and impacts to our coast and. Um, it's going to be uh, challenging to, uh, to, uh, to, keep, uh, to keep everyone happy and, um, you know, and, and, and restore our entire coast. We're, we're, we're working hard at it. All right, Brad, we want you to hold on because uh, after the break, we do want to talk to you about more specifics about the Freshwater Project in Tomorrow So will you hold on after the break? That sounds great. All right. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. This is Simone Malaz on WGSO 990 AM. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress. That has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper so can our future go to edf.org to see how you can help welcome back to delta dispatches we're discussing louisiana's coast its people wildlife and jobs and why restoring it matters i'm jacques bear with audubon louisiana and i'm simone malaz with restore retreat we're so uh, fortunate to have Brad Miller from Coastal Protection Restoration Authority on the show to d- discuss his work and in particular one really important restoration project, kind of a first in many ways that's getting underway and that he's leading. Uh, you want to talk to Brad about that, Simone? Yeah. So, Brad, tell us a little bit about the history of this project for Morapaw Swamp. Was it a, a Quipper project or tell us a little bit about its background? Um, that's correct. It actually started off in the, in the Quipper program, and um, so it's a little bit of brief history. The Marpaw Swamp is a is a forested coastal swamp south of Lake Marpaw. It's about halfway between Baton Rouge and New Orleans, mainly north of I-10. It's been, you know, like most of our wetlands, I've uh, been cut off from the river, built, and, and has sustained it over time. It, like you said, it started off in the Quipper program um, about 15 years ago. It it kind of outgrew Quipper when we realized. Um, the cost of it, but we, we got it to a, a level of designing Quipra 
um, and then handed it off to the state. We've been waiting for a few years for a funding source to come along to finish design, and we, we recently got that through the Restore Act, so we're going to be uh, wrapping up design here in the next couple of years and, and hopefully uh, building this project. So it was called, was it Hope Canal? Is that right? Hope Canal? And well, Hope okay, Hope? and that's a good point. There was also an LCA project called Hope Canal. So um, in the LCA program, there was the Hope Canal project, and in Quipper, there was the river reintroduction in the Marpaw Swamp. They're basically the same identical project. Because the Quipper project had funding, um, we, we, dev- we went into early design through that. So that was the, the channel we took. And, um, and now we're going to finish design with the uh, Restore Act money that we have. So, Brad, you were talking a little bit about the importance of this area. I mean, tell us what has happened to it over time that has caused it to kind of become a little bit more degraded. And, you know, why is it threatened, um, you know, in the future? Right. Well, mainly is, is the disconnect from the river. And that's, you know, that's in the name, the river reintroduction into the swamp. So we need to reconnect that river. And the, the lack of river input over time has re- reduced the influx of fine sediments, which has led to increased subsidence, the lack of fresh water, and nutrients has led to a, a decrease in plant productivity along with saltwater intrusion. Um, as, as a result, you know, vast areas of the swamp have been slowly converting to marsh and open water. Um, you know, part of the challenge is that a, a coastal swamp, just it takes a really long time to grow and a really long time to die. We don't see some of these changes as clearly as we do with other wetland types. Um, You know, when a storm comes and and knocks out a bunch of marsh and you go out the next year where you went fishing and there used to be an island there and it's gone, people can really see that and relate to it. But this, the swamp really is, a lot of the trees are still there. They're just not as healthy. So it's a slow, slow dying process. And um, that's what makes this this project very unique. Yeah, and those trees are important storm buffers, right? But, but Brad, this is not, Jacques and I talk a lot about diversions on this show. We talk a lot about sediment diversions, but this is not designed to be a sediment diversion, correct? That's correct. It's, it's mainly a freshwater diversion. Now, some of the fine sediments will make it to the, to the swamp, um, but it's not, a, it's not designed as a land-building diversion. The, the main benefits will come from the, the fresh water and, uh, and the nutrients in the water. And, and the fresh water, you know, it can offset some of the salinity, but also it can just flush out some of that stagnant water in the swamp. So it's, um, it has a lot of uh, different benefits. And, and when we talk about coastal restoration, we're often talking about, you know, areas in Plaquemines Parish and Terrebonne and, and Calcasieu, Vermilion. I mean, this area affects so many parishes i mean even up into baton rouge right so can you talk a little bit about the importance to you know st john st james exactly river parishes leading up into the greater baton rouge area in terms of storm surge protection right um again these um this swamp plays a critical role in uh storm surge protection again it's something that's um you know it's been slowly um uh, losing its function and converting to some swamp and open water it's not something we see, you know, immediately, but it is. It does cover St. James, St. John, up to Ascension Parish. So the, and you know, a lot of those uh, parishes we don't really see a lot of coastal projects in, and um, and this is a, a really unique one and something special that um, we have a lot of local support on. So uh, it's really good to be and unique to be working in those areas. And yeah. We're looking forward to to moving it forward. Good. So, Brad, let's keep talking about some project features. Um, so you'll have a structure at the river, right, at the actual Mississippi River itself, and then you'll have a channel. How, how fast will you move water through that channel? Okay, so, um, yep, there's going to be a gated structure at the river, and the first uh, about 
two miles of the channel will be newly excavated, and then just north of Airline Highway is where Hope Canal starts. And Hope Canal is basically uh, collects a few roadside ditches, and it's a, a drainage canal, and all the water in that area drains from the river and north towards the lake. And so there'll be about three more miles of, for a total of five and a half miles of conveyance channel from the river to the swamp just north of I-10. And then from there, the water will distribute into the swamp. And we have some features designed to help the water flow through the swamp better. We learned a lot in early modeling, um, you know, how to, um, where is the water going to go and getting it to parts of the swamp most effectively. But those are the main features. There's a, some infrastructure crossings. There's uh, River Road, Airline Highway, uh, a couple of railroads, a bunch the of... easy um, stuff. Again, Brad, you like yeah, the easy, easy stuff. stuff. There's pipelines <laughs> and, and uh, utilities. So it's, there's, it's a, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of logistics to work out, but we've, we've covered a lot of those in, in preliminary design, and, um, um, you know, we have to finalize, finalize, finalize design will be uh, um, dealing with a lot of those things. And I, I tease you about, about easy stuff, right? But we know that all of that is very complicated, and it literally takes years of planning and, and working with stakeholders and working with parishes to try to put a project like this on the ground, literally. But it goes to show how important it is um, to to that swamp to have this fresh water, to be able to move it five and a half miles to, to where it needs to go. But, you know, frankly, we live in a, in a world today where it has, you know, we live in coastal Louisiana. This is our working coast, and so it's not, you know, we have railroads here. We have highways here, and so that's a reality that we also have to deal with is um, is how do we um, deal with these challenges and how do we make sure that, um, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can for the greater good, which in this case is restoring the system back to where it should be naturally. Absolutely. Those are, those are all great points, and um and, you know, that's part of the reason why, um, you know, permitting and, and land rights is also part of getting a project construction ready. So the next couple of years, those are some activities that we have to finalize. It's not just it's not just getting a, fan, a set of plans and specifications. It's getting those permits and those land rights in place. And like you said, that, that takes time. So, But um, we're, we're anticipating about three years from now from receiving these Restore Act funds to uh, – to having the project construction ready. And Brad, uh, from what I understand from the 2017 Coastal Master Plan, um, this is one of other kind of diversions that are a little bit further upriver, correct? Can you talk a little bit about why that is so important to even have those diversions further upriver um, when, you know, there's obviously so much focus on the ones that are downriver in Plaquemines Parish? Um, exactly. So this is, um, you know, and, and a lot of our projects further upriver are not just diversions. We have other projects that, um, with coastal swamps to just reconnect and uh, and fix the hydrology of those of those areas. We have a project um, in the Desalman Swamp um, called the Hydrologic Restoration and Vegetative Plantings in Desalmans. We have the Amy River Gapping, which is connected to the Marpaw Swamp, just a little further north, and that puts some gaps and some spoil banks and allow water to get in and out of the swamp. So, um, you know, whether you're reconnecting a river or just fixing altered hydrology, um, there, there are, you know, a lot of uh, other projects further upriver that, that aim to, uh, to do that. So, Well, Brad, we are so grateful to have you on the show today to talk about Moripaw and also to thank you for all your other great work with Caminata and, and for your work with the state.
National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Welcome back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. This is Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore Retreat. That was a good segment with Brad. Yeah, it was great having Brad on and, and hearing about this really important project. And we're going to continue the conversation on um, Morapa with one of our favorite repeat guests. Repeat guests. You know, Rebecca, that's like an honor with us, right? To be on the show for repeat. So welcome we, back to we Delta We don't ask Dispatches. everyone back. <laughs> We shouldn't say that, though. <laughs> yeah, right, right. We shouldn't. Uh, so Rebecca Trish is the executive director for Louisiana Wildlife Federation since uh, 2012. She has more than 18 years of experience in nonprofit management and has worked for other friends at the Coalition to Restore Coastal Louisiana, National Wildlife Federation, and Louisiana Disaster Recovery Foundation. She's also worked for the Department of State and is a returned Peace Corps volunteer. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Well, thanks for having me again. I feel uh, privileged. <laughs> Those people that we don't ask back are going to tell us something one day. You know that. I know. <laughs> I know. We might need to have to go through and just start asking everyone back. No. So, Rebecca, welcome back to the show. Why don't you remind us about the good work of Louisiana Wildlife Federation? Well, thanks. I think we've got so many gigs and, and focus and, and uh, projects that we work on that I think we make a great repeat visitor for your show. I agree. Yeah, so um, we are a statewide organization. We have affiliate organizations around the state, so it helps us keep our uh, fingers on the pulse, get information happening, not just coastal, which is focused for us too, but, um, you know, forested, uh, you know, the piney woods up north and, you know, issues from, uh, you know, saltwater fisheries to freshwater fisheries to black bear to the problems of feral hogs, and so... Um, it's a good comprehensive view. We do a lot of policy work, uh, advocacy, you know, at the legislature, to different commissions and agencies. Um, we have a, uh, a good, um, uh, how would you say that? Uh, our bench is strong. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, have, you have a diverse portfolio of hogs of and bears and poli policy <laughs> folks. <laughs> yes, former government people, you know, just exactly. concerned citizens who see what's happening and want to learn more and educate themselves and have a lot to offer at the local level, you know, municipal contacts. And it's just a great way to um, bring people together to focus on conservation. And last time we talked, you were, um, you were having an award ceremony and you were having a fundraiser too so that you have an annual award ceremony that's kind of the coastal prom right coastal award show 
Well, I think um, for it, it's the statewide um, honor, I think, for folks who are doing work in coastal as well as around the state and, you know, southeast Louisiana. Well, south Louisiana really is, is so dominated by coastal issues. But um, every year, and this is our 54th year, Whoa, I think, nice. for conservation um, achievement um, acknowledgement. And what excites me, and I probably said this the last time too, is we get these nominations in and you just see what people are doing. They're, they're quietly making some really good um, work happen, doing a lot of you know, protective or preservation or conservation efforts in their part of the state and just their influence um, is often not acknowledged or celebrated. So it's a good um, example for many of us to follow. It keeps us heartened. And so I really like that about the program. And we'll um, have um, the nominations open in November. So oh, nice. Good timing. Yeah, we'll definitely have to remind folks of that and let them know where to go to nominate. And I'll say, I mean, I've been in many people's offices who have had the beautiful kind of carved uh, trophies or kind of statues of different wildlife animals from Louisiana. And my immediate thought when I see that is, okay, this is someone I need to, need to listen to and pay attention <laughs> to. Um, but Rebecca, kind of getting to the topic at hand. So we were talking to Brad Miller about um, the Moripaw freshwater diversion. Um, tell us a little bit about Louisiana Wildlife Federation's involvement with the project and why for you all it's such an important project. Well, it's, uh, of interest to several of our uh, affiliate organizations around the Marpaw Swamp. So when you're talking about really Marpaw is important for protection to, you know, Metro Baton Rouge, but when you're talking about Ascension and Livingston and St. John and St. James, we have members who work or and uh, live in those parishes who have seen that swamp deteriorate, you know, the subsidence as well as not being... Uh, Renourished with you know fresh water and sediment and nutrients from the river, and so many of those people have just spent all of their lives around it or in that swamp, and it's so big. I mean, mm-hmm. I think people don't realize how vast it is. So there's a lot of ways you can enter it, though you kind of have to know <laughs> how to to really get into you know you know the area. But those people are members who have kept the. Um, issue alive for us. And personally, I remember going to a meeting about this project in 2002. So uh, I was in St. John Parish and talked about using Hope Canal, and there was a lot of enthusiasm for it then, and the folks did not forget that. And so I think that this project is being met with a lot of, you know, enthusiasm for it, but perhaps the details haven't, um, you know, we need to shine a light on the details what they can expect about, you know, timelines for planning and construction, how it might be uh, managed once it's built, and, you know, other details. So the time is right for it, and I think people are receptive to it. You're right, and I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but I've been kayaking a few times in the Morpaw Swamp and taken out of town visitors there. It's just such a beautiful, iconic representation of what you know you think about when when you're when you think about coastal Louisiana, and they've all had a great time. So, highly recommend that, um, and great to see. I mean, that progress being made, right? You know, that's something that folks talk about. We need to get these projects done, constructed quickly, and and to see that this is being kind of teed up and there's funding coming through um, is is really. Uh, welcome. And Rebecca, you you have a great board, right? You have tremendous support from your board, but you just lost a big advocate. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? 
Sure. We, uh, a longtime board member and a former uh, president, Edgar Villon, who's from the New Orleans area, from Metairie, um, passed away in the summer, and he was active on um, our board of directors since uh, the 60s. And he was also active in the formation of Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation and the Coalition to Restore Coastal Louisiana. So he was one of the few that was really the um, the bridge for those organizations um, that you know came out of concerns for uh, our group and some others to to focus on issues that we could see uh, needed work. And so I think he's um, you know the a really good representation of how an, a citizen, he, he came, he was in the insurance industry, but he uh, liked duck hunt. He was outdoors a lot. And so he made that connection of how, you know, he could play a part as a citizen giving input, serving on commissions, serving on boards for nonprofit organizations like, you know, Restore Retreat or Louisiana Wildlife Federation. Um, that people can make a difference there and that we do need, you know, folks from all perspectives participating in the process for making decisions about coastal restoration projects at, you know, local or state level um, in organizations that are, you know, looking at something concerned and want to weigh in. And so when you see someone like Edgar who spent decades devoted to that, um, it, it's, it's another um, inspirational point. Yeah, me and others. Yeah, I love that um, that Egger and his legacy is really, you know, that you can be a change and you can, you know, do what you can to help these organizations. You and I are similar as executive directors to know that that we're so supported by our boards and that our everyday work couldn't be possible without their leadership and without them stepping in on issues and and you know sometimes doing the heavy lift when needed. Rebecca, we have to go into a break, but will you uh, will you tell everybody how they can get more information? about uh, Louisiana Wildlife Federation, Twitter, Facebook, those kinds of things. Just remind everybody before we go to break. Sure. So our face, sorry, our website is lawildlifefed.org. So that's fed, which is short for federation. And there's a lot of information there about our positions. You can do some research if you <laughs> look around <laughs> there. Uh, our resolutions and why we support what we do and the way that we are, you know, fulfilling that work. And we are on Facebook. It's Louisiana Wildlife Federation. Um, and we have about 10,000 followers. Oh, so nice. We try to keep that educated about what we're doing, what our affiliate organizations are doing. So if you don't live necessarily in New Orleans, you can find out other activities around the state. And then we're on Twitter. And um, we have lacamo.org is also another site that's really coastal focused. We want to talk work. about camo when you get back. Um, so awesome. if you don't, yeah, if you don't mind holding on with us through the break, this is Simone Laws, and you're listening to Delta Dispatches every Thursday on 990 WGSO. Welcome back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Laws with Restore Retreat. My microphone's making Halloween noises. Uh, we're going to have to... Okay, well, let's do it. We're going to go straight into the fun question first. So, Rebecca, what was your favorite all-time Halloween costume? Like, what did Re little Rebecca dress up like for Halloween? 
I don't remember <laughs> which one I liked. I mean, I think you know we had kind of the clown and the gypsy, and I'm just trying to. I think we had a little clown outfit, me and my sister, <laughs> that we wore in not a, a scary clown, huh? Not- and um, I'm not going to go into whether they're not all scary, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I believe a, a clown outfit was probably my favorite because it stands out. And so, yeah, but I've had some fun, you know, adult. Uh-huh. Uh, that's yeah. what we were talking about, Rebecca. Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that uh, offline. offline. Yeah. And, you know, it's so fun just going through old family yeah. photos with your sisters and siblings and being like, look at when you wore that, <laughs> you know. Well, getting back into um, the subject matter, Rebecca, um, let's talk a little bit about the Moripaw freshwater diversion and the Moripaw swamp. Why is that area so important to wildlife and what wildlife um, really depend on the habitat that it provides? Well, I think there's a big um, recreational use of that area. And so to have wildlife like, you know, white-tailed deer and, and rabbit hunting, you've got to have a healthy habitat. So you can find game animals, waterfowl. It's in the migratory path, so you see a lot of ducks. It was really well known for duck hunting, but that's declined. And that has to do with the decline in the habitat in terms of just more covered in water because of subsidence, more saltwater intrusion, and some changes in the type of habitat from, you know, bald cypress to below to more freshwater or, you know, open water uh, scenario. So you had um, that recreational use, and then also you've got, you know, a lot of rivers that empty into um, Lake Marpaw. And so you had Blind River, uh, a very, you know, beautiful and, and ex- historic access to the area. And you can put in off of Airline Highway and have a nice paddle trip or a boat trip to, to uh, headed toward a meat diversion. But, you know, there's, you can see a part of that swamp from Middendorf's. And so you can see a lot of migratory bird, um, particularly in the spring. I understand that while uh, a lot of species even butterflies as well as you know migratory i love um, i love the conversation about butterflies that are migratory i've heard that more this year than than any other year i think well come to find out when they migrate back in the spring they 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 instead of just hightailing it to mexico like they seem to do in the fall and the spring their offspring one stopover is in the swamp and so you can see a lot of that so you know for non-consumptive users bird watchers and paddlers this is a really great area but um it also has a lot of game species too and that's what makes it just uniquely Louisiana. And I've loved seeing, I mean, there's so many times it's so easy when you're just driving in between New Orleans and Baton Rouge and I've seen like bald eagles circling around, you know, that area. And it's just a reminder of how important it is to so many species and really the, the, the in certain ways the recovery that that species has experienced. Yeah, you can see the deer crossing the interstate, particularly in the fall. <laughs> yeah. you got to be careful right after sundown. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, so you're taking off down 10 or up 55 or on 12. You're basically circling the swamp. And all of those people that live around there from, you know, Laplace, Hammond, Denham Springs, Gonzales, really even Baton Rouge are on the edge of this, you know, second largest forest forested wetland in Louisiana. I mean, it's second to the Atchafalaya in terms of just area of swamp and forested wetlands. So, 
it's you know it's beneficial beneficial in multiple ways that's why it's really important to you know get it back to some kind of sustainability and growth and you know our folks are optimistic about this project and i think it represents some of the best of the you know things that we can do um that will help the coastal area because the coast is closer than you think exactly yeah i like that you just kind of outlined hey by the way you pass this all the time we say that about bayou lafouche right they don't notice so much because you're blowing by at 65 miles an hour or 40 if you're behind a cane truck but um rebecca you mentioned it before the break why don't you tell us a little bit about louisiana's camo coalition what it is who should be involved and what kind of activities they take part in Sure. So that's our way to keep the focus on coastal restoration. And so we ask people to sign up and support, and and many people are aware of the problem and want to show their support. And then we sign them up to get notices about what's emerging in coastal restoration, either the annual plan process, the five-year process for the coastal master plan updates, or um, ways that they can take action. So it's an easy link for them to tell, you know, their leaders that, if they're concerned about, say, the funding changes on Go Mesa, you know, when there was an attempt to reduce the funding that was going to come to the state despite all of the promises for that uh, act passed years ago. And, you know, just other ways to show support for when some of these things are before committees or commissions. It's just an easy way to, to follow it and do that. So so that's bringing together people of a sportsman interest or sportswomen interest and so that's a way you know that they can come quickly go find out what's happening and take some action and be helpful in that way yeah certainly and i i know when we were you know had efforts in terms of supporting the master plan as well as protecting gomesa that you and um, your colleagues at louisiana wildlife federation did a lot to bring voices to those efforts whether it was sign-on letters to you know um, the administration or ads showing support for the master plan i would always see you and Stacy kind of at all the key meetings for the master plan and annual uh, plan. So of course, you know, all, all of our organizations uh, appreciate that support. Um, and different voices. Right. I love that, that, that you guys have them on the ready too. So Rebecca, we do have to uh, wrap up uh, the show. Do you have any uh, events coming up? Anything you want to talk about and remind folks again, where they can find more information about camo coalition and Louisiana wildlife federation. Where can they go to support uh, yeah. Louisiana wildlife federation? Yeah, so they can go to our website. It's lawildlifefed.org, and it, we keep it updated with ways to take action, what you know, activities we're doing. I wanted to point out we have uh, Youth Hunter of the Year awards, and it's nice. for um, a 15 or younger, cons- female and male. So we give an, an tons of kids award part of our for culture. boy and girl yeah. uh, for a story about a hunt, whether whether or not it was successful, if it's, you know, a picture and a, and a story about how much they enjoyed being outside, what they learned new, who they spent it with, and, you know, whether they were successful or not, um, it, you know, that's, a, that's one way to keep that heritage going. And I just know that there's a lot of us in Louisiana that if we're not right now hunting or fishing, we're just from a family that does. And so that's one of the things that we're promoting, just to acknowledge that. You know, I think we're sort of, after 77 years, we're about to, in a few days, we will celebrate our, uh, I guess, 78th um, 
year of incorporation, and we're still pushing for, you know, the folks that spend time outside to understand the connection between what they love and the need for conservation. Absolutely. And what better way to kind of introduce, you know, the youth um, to those issues and kind of introduce them to the environment in which they live than through the, those efforts. Well, Rebecca, thank you so thank much you, Rebecca, for yeah. being on the show. Thanks for the invitation. I always like to to get our organization out there shining and showing what we're doing, and we we love collaborating with all you guys. And we'll definitely help you get the information out about your statewide awards ceremony, too. So, yeah, we'll be happy to share that on the air and and through our social media, too. So thank you, Rebecca. I hope you have a happy Halloween. Y'all, too, and everybody out there. Speaking of Halloween, mm-hmm. so our partners at Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation have their new canal lighthouse haunted house. I love that. What and a cute idea. We October talked about October 29th from 4 to 6 p.m. Um, it's at the new canal lighthouse, 8001 Lakeshore Drive in New Orleans. They're going to have uh, storytelling and arts and crafts. They're going to have games. They're going to have music and costumes. And they better have some candy. Oh, yeah. I think they're going to have, what is it, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups (laughs) for Brad. (laughs) So it's $5 for folks, but I know that they're also looking for volunteers, too, to help out. So if you go to uh, SaveOurLake.org, they have some information there. They also have some information about their lecture series, which happens at their lighthouse. Uh, Their next lecture is uh, November 1st um, at 6 o'clock. They have some more information there, too. Yep. Our well, friends at the coalition are also um, speaking of Morpaw and Manchac. Yeah. yeah, they're continuing their ten thousand trees for Louisiana. Um, there are a lot of opportunities coming up. I'm actually going out on the yeah. fourth with the Crescent City Rougarou oh, rugby team. Love it! I How was like, y'all game this weekend? Is it a game? A it, match? We had a game last weekend. Yes. Uh, I survived. Yes, I didn't break anything. I'm wor- I was worried. We didn't. They're win. Rough. We didn't win. But oh. it was our first game. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. It's all up from here. It was a. It was an emotional win. So we're getting the, the, the big rugby players out in the marsh to mm-hmm. do some planning. I love it. I love it. And and we were just talking about how beautiful that area is. Mm. And uh, maybe you don't kayak there. Maybe you want to be part of it. This is a good way to do it. So uh, 10,000 Trees for Louisiana on November 2nd at 9 a.m. Uh, you can go to the Coalition's website. CRCL.org. .org. Find out more information. All right. Another great show. Thank you for listening. This That's has been Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. DeltaDispatches.org. Happy Halloween.